sir, I'm to ride a bike. I was in the carriage, I was on the bike, sir. I don't have the time, sir, to ride on a bike. But you don't have to worry, I follow the time, sir. You just have to try, sir, to ride on a bike. I was in a hurry, you were on the sign, sir. I will take the time, sir, to ride on a bike. I was in the carriage, you were on the bike, sir. I would like to try, sir, to ride on a bike. This is Resonance 104.4 FM. That last chime caught me out a bit there. Welcome to the bike show. Art Rocker are leaving the studios in a sporty tweedy look. Sport mixed with tweed. Sport and tweed. They often go well together, particularly in cycling, in a kind of 19th century style. Wouldn't they get a bit wet, the tweeds would be a bit Oh, it's very breathable, you see. Yeah, yeah. We shall talk more about this later in the series. Let's talk later. Have a good show. Bye now. Bye. Yes, we are on the bike show. And joining me in the studio is Alex Murray. Alex, welcome to the bike show. Hi, thanks Jack for having me along. And um, this week's show is a kind of extreme show. We've got lots of extreme things, uh, from touring across America on a fixed wheel bicycle to doing a ridiculously long bike ride across France with probably not quite enough preparation. (laughs) Uh, Come more of that later. Um, To the launch of a new cycle sport team in London and some really, really extreme trick bike riding uh, from Rich Johnson, who's one of the great uh, British trick bike riders who I caught up with um, quite a while back now, but we've, uh, we've got an interview with him. Uh, but first off, as I mentioned last week, there's a bit of an um, American flavour to the start of the show uh, this week because Kieran Yates, who's a major contributor to the bike show, is actually away in America on an extremely long um, tour from the Canadian border right down to New Orleans. And uh, no great bicycle ride across America would be complete without a visit to Harris Cyclery, the home of the legendary Sheldon Brown. And uh, Kieran uh, caught up with Sheldon right at the beginning of his journey and this in fact forms the first instalment of hopefully many um, accounts of Kieran's bike ride. I'm with Sheldon Brown at uh, the Harris Cyclery in West Newton, Massachusetts. You're you're very famous worldwide almost for uh, (laughs) promoting fixed-gear cycling. Um, What would you say is the best um, aspect of riding fixed? It's more fun. When fixed-gear people get together as you and I do, and we talk about it, and we, say, we start talking about how you feel more at one with the bike and more at one with the road and the purity and the simplicity. We sound like crazed religious cultists to ordinary people. That's because the, there's something about the experience which is truly ineffable. If you need to look that word up, I'll save you the trouble. Ineffable <laughs> means impossible to express in any words of the language that we use. Uh, those of us who have gotten into the fixed gear experience, we all nod and wink and understand to each other what we're talking about. But if you haven't done that, it just sounds like a bunch of gobbledygook. But there's something true there. You can't really experience it until you get past the unfamiliarity. When you first ride a fixed gear bike, the first couple of weeks it feels really weird. You're con- most people coast way more than they need to, just out of mindless habit. And 
the fixture won't let you do that and it'll remind you. If you stick with it for a couple of weeks of reg regular riding, you find that you've broken yourself of that habit and you, be, you become comfortable with it and once you do, you're, you're really hooked. Now, a lot of people take up fixed gear riding for wrong reasons. Uh, they, because it's trendy or for macho posturing or whatever like that. But I don't care why they start because once they, if you stick with it a couple of weeks, you get to the point that you're hooked. And it's, but it's mainly because it, it just feels so good. And Sheldon's having a quick look over my bike. Yes, well, you have the 4218 fixed now, which is, what you say, around 63, something like that? 62. Yeah. Uh, I, would, I would suggest that you add a 16-tooth cog on the other side. Right. I'll give you a, a gear around 70-ish, uh -huh. uh, which I think you'll find more pleasant on the open road. Uh, because I, I would think you'd spin out in the 4218 yeah. pretty, pretty easily. I think, going, well, going downhill, I can't go much faster than about 24 and 25. Yeah, so. the downhill is one thing. It's, it's worse is when you, when you spin out on the flats. Yeah. With a, you get a little tailwind going and you can't use it. And that's, uh -huh. that, to me, that's no fun. I've got this wreck on the back and I've uh, got a Caradice Camper long flat mm -hmm. saddlebag which I'm taking with me. That weighs about six kilos. Is that going to be too much? I, I should think it would be all right. You're, yes. you're, you're not a heavy person. No. And uh, the Caradice stuff is, is you've got some, some give to your rack there. So the Caradice stuff is not really exactly dead weight. It's got some sort yeah. of suspension to it. So it it's, yeah, I feel it bouncing around. I'm yeah. along Plus, uh, also, it, being a, a fixed gear, it's got, you have a symmetrical rear wheel, which is inherently way stronger than a derailleur-type gear. Right. A, a wheel. Uh -huh. If you figure a... Okay, this is a... 32. A 32-spoke wheel. You've got 32 spokes. Right. A person with, say, a 36-spoke derailleur wheel is really only 18 spokes right. holding the, everything up. Okay. And the, the, the other 18 spokes just help for lateral stability, but they don't really carry any weight. Right, so a, a, a fixed wheel, rear wheel, is probably quite decent for touring. Oh, it's, it's great for touring. One well, thing I've noticed about riding fixed gear is that you tend to go up hills faster. That's definitely true, because basically, if you're going to get up, you're going to go up fast. The lower your gear, the more of your riding time is spent going uphill. When you have a, a fairly high gear, you just have to keep on top of it, uh -huh. which means you can't allow yourself to slow down. Fortunately, fixed gear is noticeably more efficient than a derailleur-type drive. And that helps a lot. Yeah. And also, it's the understanding. When you're going up a hill on a bike with gears, you're always wondering, well, is it time to shift now, or, or can I hold out for another couple yeah. of strokes? And, and then like you that? always shift down to a gear that's too low. Yes, but, and you lose some momentum when you're making the shift. But also, it, just the, the fact that you know you have that option. There's psychologically, you're, you're constantly sort of trained over in your mind. It's, it, it's, it's a psychological issue, really. Yeah. And it... it it makes it easier to, to dog it. Uh, with a fixed gear, you know that if you're going to get up the hill, you just got to go. You just got to keep those pedals turning, and you do. You'd be surprised what you can do when you have to. The first couple of weeks, it's unfamiliar, and you, if you'll try to coast, it'll refuse to let you, and it, it can be startling and could even occasionally, if you're not ready for it, cause some loss of control. But once you get past that first couple of weeks of adjustment, it's not an issue anymore. Well, that was the mighty Sheldon Brown dispensing his advice on fixed wheel touring to the bike show's very own Kieran Yates. I'm sorry. Um, and uh, 
Kieran is doing very well on um, his tour. I spoke to him a couple of weeks ago and he had made it as far as just outside of Kansas City, I think, um, heading down into the south, um, going along, um, averaging about, I think, 60 to 80 uh, miles a day, which is which is pretty good going. Um, and we are uh, talking about kind of extreme things to be doing on a bicycle. And um, I guess one of the most extreme things that can happen on the bicycle uh, is to take part in the Etape du Tour, which is the great um, amateur have a go at a stage of the Tour de France day. Um, And in the studio, as I mentioned earlier, is Alex Murray. Alex, you decided to do the Etape du Tour um, this year. Before explaining why you decided to do it, maybe if you could just give a little uh, idea of what exactly is the Etape du Tour this year? It's This year it's stage 16, I think it is, from Gap to Alp d'Huez, finishing up the legendary 14 kilometres and 21 hairpins of Alp d'Huez. But before you get there, you've got to go over the equally legendary Col d'Huizouard, which sort of is immortalised in history as the place that Bobby and Kopi raced each other and Tevenet throughout the 70s. It's it's almost, in a way, a far more classic climb. And there's, I believe it's 8,500 amateur riders who've all filled out their forms, got a doctor's letter, and spent the last six or seven months at least riding in all weathers over all distances to get fit for this challenge. And when is it? 10th of July. 10th of July, so just around the corner. So you must be easing into the kind of uh, pre-ride uh, or pre-race sort of quiet time before you uh, let everything loose on the day almost there almost there i think it's sort of it i was reading an interview with um bradley wiggins where he was talking about training for event and saying that you have to have real bottle not to go out at when you sort of get to this sort of stage and oh, it's, you don't want to overtrain exactly it's very tough to sort of resist the temptation to go just one more session you know if i do another couple of hours out there i can maybe pick up a little bit of speed yeah, well, I don't know if taking advice from Bradley Wiggins is the right thing to do after he bombed out of the prologue of the Dauphiné Libre, but yeah. maybe he'll do better in the in the prologue of the Tour de France. Well, yeah, yeah, I th- I've sort of, I've I've got my fingers crossed for David Miller because I'd really like to see him come back and yeah, pick well, he's up back. straight away. He's back. That's the big news, really. Mm. Um, so, as far as your motivations for doing this, obviously, it's a great thing fun thing to do I mean are you a cyclist um, um, in, in general or is this if it's something you've come new to doing cyclo uh, sportives it's a strange sort of thing I remember hearing about the ATAP I think in about 1998 when I was living in France and I was watching it on the telly and thinking oh I'd love to have a crack at that I've always wanted to ride the tour and so I put it to one side and thought no I'll never be sort of that sort of cyclist and then a couple of years ago I sort of got myself sort of a bit more organised and sort of decided actually I'll have a crack at it and then this year I thought I'm 30 this year I'm never going to be much fitter I've never had the opportunity to I might as well give it a whirl and sort of started planning for it from be last August finding out you know what would be the best way to go about it and in the end decided well it's 190 odd k I'm going to have to spend a lot of time training for it it's going to cost me time and money but I might as well put that to good use. So I'm riding it for a children's charity. All right, so you're do, going to be sponsored. Yes, I'm riding for a charity called Get Kids Going, who do wheelchairs for disabled children. 
So I thought might as well sort of put my ability on the bike to some good use Fantastic. rather than... Fantastic. And so how much have you raised uh, so, so far? So far, I'm nearly up to about £600. But I'm sort of aiming to get up to at least £800, which I believe should help them to provide a trike for a disabled user, which gets them involved in either in sport or in everyday life. Brilliant. Well, that sounds great. We'll come back after this to talk a little bit about how you've actually been preparing yourself uh, on a day-to-day basis for this amazing ride. Je vous parle en direct de cette 17e étape du Tour de France. Le peloton, énorme machine de muscles et d'acier, vient de s'élancer. Montez danseuse, appuyez sur la pédale, surveillez son braquet. Que d'épreuves pour ces jeunes hommes qui, en attendant l'auréole de la victoire, se contentent de celle de la sueur qui laisse dans son sillage ce trait de musc que connaissent bien les supporters massés le long des routes. et défonçage sont les mamelles du Tour de France alors ils se défoncent car la ligne est encore loin Well that little bit of jaunty French music is uh, getting Alex into the spirit he's just uh, pulled open a bottle of Bordeaux and uh, opened up his packet of gitane um, and is puffing away these are the traditional preparations yeah. for a, uh, a a great ride like what you're doing. What else have you been doing apart from you know, drinking a lot and smoking a lot? I've been sort of gradually building up to it and sort of trying to resist losing entire days to the bicycle, as it were. So from January, sort of gradually going, I'll do 30 miles by the end of January and I'll do 50 by the end of February and getting up to the stage where I'm now just up to just short of the distance doing sort of about 85, 90 miles on a Sunday. And, and, and in the middle of the week, have you, been, have you been using your commuting rides? Yeah, very much sort of using the commuting rides and sort of riding around London, which sort of, it has some nice bits which you can sort of just cruise around and imagine that you're climbing the Alps, like Highgate Hill West, which sort of, sort of swirls up through London. To sort of, I think yeah, it's the highest I always point thought in if, London. There was, if there was going to be a... Uh, a stage ridden on the streets of London you definitely have to fit in um, Swains Lane or, or Highgate West Hill mm. into uh, I believe it's in it's provisionally down as part of the Olympic road race in 2012 oh, really great well we might have to pay a visit to that piece of uh, road a little bit before 2012 here <laughs> on the bike show um, so have you been doing anything about your diet or anything like that I've been reading so much about diet and what you should be drinking at it becomes slightly obsessive and sort of worries me a bit in that, you know, I'm sure that the greats didn't, you know, of the 50s and 60s, you know, yes, a lot of them sort of probably weren't the healthiest of people, but they were still great bike racers. And I just find the sort of tendency to sort of go, you've got to weigh out your 200 grams of pasta and grill your chicken that's got to be 150 grams. I just find that slightly disturbing. It takes a little bit of the joy out of the whole affair yeah if I you think, become like a machine mm, i didn't want sort of when i started training for it i didn't want it to sort of consume my life in a sort of lance armstrong with his scales at the <laughs> dinner table sort of way i want to be able to sort of go out there and ride and actually ride with a bit of a smile and enjoyment rather than out of a sense of duty to achieve sort of a time as it were 
But the, on the ATAP, it's kind of strict because if you don't keep up a certain pace in the first so many kilometers, was it about the first 50 kilometers? Yeah, I think you, they, you, they, they, they kind of say, sorry, uh, you, you, you've got to stop. It's, it's slightly confusing in that the booklet says it's an average of 19 kilometers an hour for the whole distance. But they've sort of issued a very long and detailed sort of you must be at this point by this time yeah, sort yeah. of guide that says you've got to go about 25 kilometers an hour for the first 50 and then you get about three and a bit hours to get over the Isouard and another sort of three to get over the Lotteray de Bourges de Oisin. Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, the plan is so long as I'm in Briançon by one o'clock and in Bourges de Oisin by... 4 p.m. I'll be happy yeah, enough. Yeah. And are you doing it with um, any other riders? Are you going to have a little uh, little team? I haven't put any sort of you know plans like that together. I know there's lots of riders from the club I ride with, London Dynamo, going out there. But I think it's very difficult because everyone's of different abilities and is scattered across. I think it's seven sort of pens of several thousand riders. Right, right. It's very difficult to sort of make sure that you get in a group with yeah, people. Well, from maybe the you'll club. just make friends on the ride you know people well, have a similar yeah. ability mm. you know and and you kind of encourage each other along when one of you is having a bit of a tough time or indeed like although a lot of the advice i've seen has said get in a group with a bunch of french french riders who know the course and don't do any work just sit in <laughs> and i feel yeah i can well, speak the george, the george hincapi approach yeah i think it was there was i was reading um rule britannia by will fotheringham and one of the um, British riders from the 60s who he describes as having a Nelsonian ability to only understand what he wants to, who was told to go and help out the sort of star rider of his team and just repeatedly said non compris and <laughs> rode his own race. Right. I'm not sure how well that would have gone down with his teammates. But if you are uh, looking out for kind of other London-based riders on the tour, you might see the very distinctive um, black pink and white shirts of the new Rafa Condor team, which is a elite team that's just been founded by um, Rafa uh, working with Condor Bikes, two of the great names of London cycling. Rafa, obviously very new, um, the purveyors of top quality um, bike wear and, uh, and other items of style. And, and Condor, you know, with an enormous illustrious history of, of frame building um, and, and cycle racing, um, the team was launched um, a few months ago, and at the launch event, um, I asked Dominic Gabellini, who's the director sportif, what it was that makes a good cycle racing team. What makes a good cycling team? Well, we're all united by a passion, which is the love of cycling. We're all working together very closely as, as, as a team and not re- really as a a group of friends but we all want something we all want the same results is winning races so that is what actually has linked us has has connected us in this team and what determines whether a team is functioning well or not functioning well in your experience as director sportive well a team is first of all uh, friends who are united together it's um, as the captain of, of the team, we always, for example, when we race, before we race, we have a, stat- a strategy. We all race for each other and not as an individual. We, we race for the team. We have a team, team spirit and we have a, st- a strategy. We might decide before the race who is going to win the race. But certainly we will always try, for example, to put somebody in the, in the break. And if 
nobody is in the break, we would act in such a way to bring back the peloton to the break. And how important is it to have good sponsors? It is extremely important to have this backup. As far as material is concerned, as far as equipment is concerned, obviously we, we like to race in good bikes with a, a nice kit. But we feel that we're very much supported by our two sponsors. And what are your ambitions for the team? Well, the, the ambition for the team is to do well in local races and certainly with two or three of our riders to win some national titles and to win some maybe international uh, races with later courts as well. But further down the line, we would like maybe to uh, do the Tour of Britain and uh, we might actually feel about having a professional team, a real professional team, in four or five years' time. So how many of the riders, there are 11 riders, how many of those riders are uh, professional riders and how many of those are um, amateurs? Pure professional riders, really two amongst the team. But some of them spend a lot, a lot of, of their time actually on, on the bike. You're talking about between 20 to 30 hours training on the bike. So most of them work part-time really and devote, dedicate the rest of, of the time to their racing. And obviously cycle racing is its own world. How is this team intending to reach out to uh, the people of London? Because in a way, Rafa and Condor are both very identifiable London brands. Do you have a vision for that as well? Well, at the moment the, the club is closed. We do not accept any other members. The club is quite exclusive, but we intend to open the doors in July where we'll become more of a club rather than a team. So we will have two parts really. We will have the Condor Rafa club and the Condor Rafa team. So certainly from July, anybody who wish, wishes to enter the, the club will be able to do so. Well, that was Dominic Gabellini, director sportif of the new Rafa Condor cycle racing team. And if you thought cycle racing and the Etapte Tour were extreme things to do on a bicycle, I think there's a little bit of a step further that it's possible to go. And this is into the world of trick bike riding. And a few months ago, there was a great um, event organised by Southwark cyclists down at Surrey Keys called Bike Magic um, and uh, Bike Magic Day. And um, as part of that day where there was Dr. Bike and LCC and all kinds of other things going on, there was a demonstration of trick bike riding led by Rich Johnson, who's one of the world's greatest trick bike riders, been around for a long time, but still at the top of his game. And um, I went along and uh, asked him you know, what trick bike riding was all about, how you do it. And before that, um, here is a little bit of a snip of the bunny hop sequence where um, Rich is talking through uh, one of his riders uh, trying to get well over 40 inches off the ground in an enormous bunny hop. Now, ladies and gentlemen, let me let you on a little secret. Every time you clap, that little bit of air that comes out between your hands goes underneath Craig's wheels, and he believes that's what gets him up and over this bar. So if you get your hands together, nice clapping. Hopefully he's going to bust this out of 40 inches. I'd love to see him do it.
was uh, Rich Johnston talking through one of his riders, Craig, setting a new personal best for a trick bike riding bunny hop of, I think it was 43 inches. Um, after the show, I caught up with um, Rich Johnson and asked him to explain a little bit about what kind of bikes they were using to do this kind of trick bike riding. What we've managed to do is basically incorporate a mountain bike diameter wheel, so we run the same size wheels as mountain bikes, 26 inch, but the bike is actually very, very light, so made of aluminium or titanium or carbon, and we run them very, very small, so either no saddle or just a, a tiny little saddle, so it allows us the maximum manoeuvrability, so we can pull the bike up into our body and to actually extend to get over by heights of over a metre high. And, and uh, there's very low gearing there. Very much so. These bikes actually are single speed. Some people do run gears, but we run single speed, which is a the one-to-one ratio we run 16 teeth on the back 16 teeth on the front and it's explosive as soon as if it's equivalent to riding first gear on your normal mountain bike as soon as we pedal within two pedal strokes we are flat out there is no more to give but, but not that, much good for going down to the shops to get pint of milk you can't sit down on them which is a downside and to give you an idea the brakes uh the brakes that we use on all the bikes today we've actually got hydraulic systems they actually run fluid inside the cable so instead of wire um we run fluid inside there and it's all about the control it is brakes are your lifeline. They, they basically the front and rear. We only control them with one finger, so the rest, the other three fingers, are desperately hanging on for grim life to to kind of not let go of the bike and still control it. But the one finger on the brake does all the work. We we extend the finger to right onto the end of the lever to create maximum leverage. So you started off with the bunny hops going over a meter, yeah. um, and then and then you've got this big uh, setup of ramps here, um, and then you finished the show off with um, some amazing uh, flipping over the handlebars. I mean, yeah. that sounded like it was one of your trademarks. It, it is a trick that, ironically, most people listening will probably know that, you know, riding a bike, one of the major hazards is grabbing a front, front brake far too hard and going over the handlebars. Combining a little bit of gymnastic skills that I've got, got a trampoline for the back garden and learnt to front somersault. So I ride along, grab a handful of front brake. Don't recommend it because it took many, many goes and a lot of practice into things like foam pits or into water or into sand before we actually come along and be able to bust that trick out onto concrete and I managed to get my name in there which is quite unique it's, it's a pleasure in a sense that you know when you name a trick you're the first guy to dial it there's only a couple of people in the in the country that can do it and yeah it's my own little unique trick. The rich flip. Rich flip handful of front brake flick the feet off the pedals throw your feet up over your air and do a front somersault over the handlebars and land on your feet. And in 30 seconds how does someone who's never pulled a wheelie pull a wheelie? Technique is basically um, to make sure you're in the right gear. If I give you the basics, every trick in the world, whether it be hopping on the front wheel, everything you've seen today, what we do, every trick in the world has a balance point to it. Everyone's is different. Everyone weighs different. Everyone pulls different. Pulls harder, softer. It is finding it, and and the expression is, and I can tell everyone from kids to adults that expression practice makes perfect. It can't be true. It, you know, it can't be any truer than that. The more you do something, the better you get at it. Well, that was Rich Johnson uh, talking about trick bike riding. Uh, can you pull a wheelie, Alex? I think I used to be able to when I was about 10. I used to have a BMX. That was my, my first and very cherished bike. Well, the fact that we're talking about the Tour de France this week um, is a sign that the bike show is coming around for its birthday. Uh, it's, in fact, two years old. We started off with the Tour de France show uh, two years ago now. And we're going to be having a party ne- this coming Friday, the 30th of June, down in Waterloo um, to celebrate. So if you want to come along, it's uh, absolutely free to get in, going from 8 until 1 at the Walrus Social on the corner of Westminster Bridge Road and Lower Marsh. Um, we're going to have Continental Drift DJs, uh, DJ Joe Bike and DJ Helen Ladybody. 
spinning the tunes. Uh, we're going to have some uh, prize raffle giveaway things and amazing bike films on the screen. Um, and of course, it's the very next day that the Tour de France starts off. So if you want to come along after Critical Mass on a Friday um, and st- celebrate the bike show and the start of the Tour de France this year, um, come along. All the details of the party are on the bike show's website, which is www.bikeshow.blogspot.com. Are you going to be able to make it down there, Alex? I shall try and make it down on Friday. Indeed. And will you bring your rattling tin so if people want to sponsor you I for the attack? Indeed, I shall try and find a suitable biscuit tin. <laughs> yeah, and uh, what are you going to be doing between now and you know your, your great uh, moment on the 10th of July? I think mostly worrying for the rest of this week and most of next week, and then spending several days on a coach working my way through France. Well, all the very best of luck. And uh, next week on the show, I'm riding with Julia Lohman, the designer and artist going around London. She's going to be riding on a Pedersen bicycle. We're going to visit her studio um, and then go down to Tooting to see some of her cow benches. If that sounds a lot different from the extreme biking of this week's show, that's because it is. Uh, This is Resonance 104.4 FM. You've been listening to The Bike Show. My name's Jack Thurston. Next up is The Clear Spot.